From KUT News and the Texas Tribune, this is The Ticket. We demand our liberty. But this election is not just about what laws we're going to pass. Americans have come back from some pretty tough economic times. We need to stop limiting kids in poor neighborhoods. I declare to you today as a candidate for president of the United States. I'm Ben Philpott. Jay Root will be along a little later in the show. This week, if you've heard the ticket before, you know we've been breaking down campaign speeches by the presidential hopefuls. But this time, instead of analyzing what the candidates are talking about, I asked voters in Iowa and South Carolina what they're listening for when they go to hear a stump speech. And then we'll hear from Harry Enten, a senior political writer and analyst for 538.com, to talk about the ever-growing GOP field and what the way-too-early polls are saying about the 2016 race. And finally, on Straight Ticket, some thoughts on early candidate performances in Iowa. But first, since Jay is running late, I've brought in our podcast executive producer Matt Largy to talk about the big items of the week. So Matt, what's up? Thanks for letting me be here, Ben. Uh, I can't wait to hear your amazing analysis. Yeah, please just um, you don't don't sound like you're but reading you, the script you gave me. Show right? script. Uh, wow, that's the kind of political insight you won't find on other podcasts. I haven't I haven't said anything yet. Well, that's the but that's the next line on the page. Thanks for coming in, Matt. Anytime, Ben. This was fun. It's time once again for Stump Interrupted. Today, we let the voters take over. While I was following Rick Perry on the campaign trail over the past week, I talked with some uncommitted Republican voters about what they're listening for in a stump speech. I'll play the cuts, and then I'll let you know which candidates kind of match up with what those voter wants are. So here's our first cut. This is Robert Huddleston, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Number one, I'm looking for candidates that are focused on the good of the country. And everything they're for, if they can phrase it or cache it into, I believe this because that's good for the country and not good for any one subgroup. As our opposition, they love to divide and conquer. We are the true United Party. A couple of things about uh, what's going on here. I think both parties, and uh, actually really all parties, uh, think that they are the only ones putting forth ideas that are for the benefit of the entire country. And they all think that their opponents are only doing things to help special interests or just the party base. I think Mr. Huddleston's uh, quote is also a comment on Republican perception of President Obama's foreign policy, where they believe he's been more worried about how other countries feel about what the U.S. is doing, instead of worrying about how Americans feel. Now, which candidates fall into this category? Well, basically everyone. Uh, Nobody is going to campaign on the idea that they won't put the United States first. Matthew Walsh. uh, I live here right here in Columbia. I I think generally I'm looking for someone who's not necessarily partisan, who's willing to maybe step outside the box on some issues, not just toting the Republican Party line, you know, repeal Obamacare, 
whatever. I, uh, I guess I'm probably one of the more liberal members here today. So, uh. <laughs> Matthew also told me that he's just not interested in all of the social conservative issues brought up on the stump. Uh, he wants solutions, not rhetoric. Now, all candidates have plans for new policies, but not all spend time on the stump talking about them. So who's been giving specifics while staying away from things like gay marriage and abortion? Well, Marco Rubio, Rand Paul, Carly Fiorina, and Rick Perry come to mind. All have been focused on policy and not on social issues for the most part. Michael from Knoxville, the one in Iowa, the war against Islam. I'm interested. I mean, I, it's my viewer at war now, and how are they going to handle it? Yeah, I, I didn't ask him if he meant a war against the entire Islamic religion or, or just radical Islamic terrorists. I hope he meant the latter. But anyway, just about every member of the GOP has taken a hard line with Islamic terrorists, and just about all have talked about better protection for Israel. But so far, there haven't been any real specifics about ground troops or invasions. My name is uh, Joe Garonsky. I'm from Blythewood, South Carolina. Sure, I think I look at uh, things like relevant uh, executive experience. Um, I think also the protecting the border is a, is a big deal. And the fact that we've, we've had a stagnant management of this country for the last six and a half years, it's uh, certainly distressing to somebody who's born and raised here in the United States. The executive experience part is pretty direct. That means he'd like to see a governor, not senator, get the GOP nomination. So that's a plus for Rick Perry, Jeb Bush, and Scott Walker. But no matter what specific items people are looking for from a stump speech, they all want one thing. And Dwight Axtell from Ankeny, Iowa, sums it up. You know, at the end of the day, we've got to come up with somebody that, that uh, is going to take the White House back. He says he comes to the stump speeches to see which candidates are performing well and which ones appear ready to take on the presumptive Democratic nominee, Hillary Clinton. You're listening to The Ticket from KUT News and the Texas Tribune. I'm Ben Philpot, And I'm Jay Root. The Republican field for the 2016 presidential nomination just seems to get larger by the day. Over the last few weeks, we've had several second and even third tier candidates jump into the race. Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, Rick Perry, Rick Santorum, all scrambling to find some kind of traction with voters before that first GOP debate in August, because only the top 10 polling candidates are going to be allowed in. So uh, what's that scramble look like so far? Harry Enton is a senior political writer and analyst for 538, and he's going to use his crystal ball to let us know today. Uh, Harry, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So uh, is this top 10 only rule going to leave out a well-known candidate as we head into that first debate? I think it's quite possible that it will. Um, you know, most of the candidates that we know are going to be in that debate, but there are going to be a few who won't be. So, for instance, it's possible, you know, if you look at the polling averages right now, that John Kasich, who's the governor of Ohio, who looks like he's going to run, he might get left out. Rick Santorum, who was second place last time around in 2012, he might get left out. Bobby Jindal, who's the governor of Louisiana, he might get left out. In fact, there are going to be a number of candidates that, you know, at least are names that someone who's familiar with politics at all who are going to get left out simply because there are so many people running. Can you talk at all about how this is going to feel so much different uh, from the 2012 campaign when we just had so many debates? How is it different this year? Well, for one thing, the Republicans made a plan after 2012 to limit the number of debates, and they're going to be sponsored Republican debates. 
And these debates are only going to be, I think it's about six debates. No, it's nine debates that they're sponsoring. The Democrats are sponsoring six debates, nine debates. And last time we were, you know, getting into the teens and getting close to the 20s. And this year, the Republicans said, no, we don't want Republican candidates being out there pandering to the base so often so that when the general election comes around, that they will have policy positions out there in the public that could hurt them with the general electorate. So this year, we're going to have only a few, less than 10, nine Republican debates, and the Republican Party is going to be in control of who are the sponsors of those debates, who are going to be the hosts of those debates. So we know, for instance, now, you know, with at ABC News, uh, George Stephanopoulos is not going to be hosting one of those debates if Republicans have anything to say about it, which is something that they can control versus last time they couldn't. So in terms of something else that kind of is a different feel this time around, you know, you recently wrote a story talking about Rick Santorum jumping into the race and how uh, the fact that he's starting at the bottom again this time around shows just how much stronger the GOP field is this time. Uh, but I, I wondered you know, how much of who's at the top right now in the GOP ticket is because of the quality of the candidate and, and how much of it is kind of what we get every election, which is we have new candidates. Sure. So, I mean, we have a lot of people running this time. In fact, it's looking like it's going to be a modern record um, for Republicans, depending on how many actually do run. It could be 13, 14, 15 people um, who I would consider, you know, quote unquote, serious candidates. Those are candidates who have served recently in statewide office, major statewide office or vice president versus last time around, we only had six that met that, that, that description. And, you know, the candidates who are at the top of the polls right now, Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, Marco Rubio, um, by most definitions, at least Walker and Rubio would be considered very serious candidates. These are people who are currently serving in office, in major office. Jeb Bush, there's some question about whether or not, you know, once people tune into the race, he'd be considered serious because, remember, he hasn't served as a governor, um, what will be for a dozen years by the time the election rolls around. And he also has the name recognition of Bush. And, you know, he might be too moderate, depending, you know, um, where exactly he lines up and where voters see him line up. So, you know, there are some questions about how much of it is name recognition. But if you look, Republicans are telling pollsters that they are satisfied with this field. The majority are saying that they're satisfied, which is much different than it was four years ago, where up until the last minute, looked like Chris Christie might get into the race. And then this year, Chris Christie is thought of as an afterthought, someone who is not going to be able to compete in the top tier. So to me, it is a much, it's a much stronger field. If you just look at the types of candidates who are running, these are major candidates and the pure number who are running. So I'm going to have to go all provincial on you here. Uh, I get asked this question all the time. Can Rick Perry overcome his horrible gaffe show from 2012. I mean, how much has the oops moment sunk in and cemented in, into the minds of people about Rick Perry? Uh, I think Rick Perry is hoping that he can be Superman. That is, if you throw on glasses, um, he becomes a different personality and no one really knows who he is. Um, you know, Rick Perry is a very interesting person because he is somebody who, ideologically speaking, really is within the middle of the Republican Party. You know, he's somewhat establishment. He has good rapport with Tea Partiers. He has good rapport with evangelical Christians. So on paper, you would think, hey, here's someone who could do really, really well. But then there's that oops moment. And the question is, will Republican voters be willing to forgive him? 
If you look at the polling numbers right now, he's about in ninth place. Of course, ninth place versus first place is only about 10 percentage points, and that's something that could easily be overcome during the debates. I think the answer to this question is, who is the Rick Perry who shows up at these debates? If Rick Perry is someone who we all thought he was going to be heading into 2012, someone who was a serious candidate, someone who beat Kay Bailey Hutchinson in the 2010 primary, then that's someone who definitely could compete in this field where the leader right now is only 15%. If, however, Rick Perry looks anything like he did in 2012, oops moment. And remember, before that oops moment in the debates, he looked awful as well. If he looks anything like that, adios, amigos, goodbye, see you later. But you know what? I believe in second chances in politics, and a lot of Republican voters this time around also believe in second chances. I mean, think about it. Mitt Romney was a second chance. John McCain was a second chance. Bob Dole, I think, was a third chance in 1996. So Republican voters are willing to forgive. It's just a matter of whether Rick Perry can step up to the plate and actually hit the ball. So as we've had people announcing over the uh, last couple of months, you know, we've seen a few candidates get that post-announcement bump. Uh, Ted Cruz, Ben Carson, it looks like Marco Rubio got a little one-two just based on some polls I was looking at. Um, what's the usual shelf life of those kind of bounces? It's really a matter of who's the next to declare, right? So if you declare and then someone else declares right on top of you, chances are that debate shelf, that, that bounce shelf life is just not going to be very long. Um, however, if you're somebody like a Rick Perry, potentially, or Marco Rubio, who I think is a far better example at this point, who really does have an ideology and a story to tell that meshes with the Republican base, then that type of bounce may not recede as much as you might expect for someone like Ted Cruz, who really has a lot of problems with the Republican establishment. And even though the Republican Party has probably moved to the right over the past few decades, it's probably too far to the right for it. So a candidate who's more in line with the base could hold on to that sort of bounce a little bit longer. And I guess it's just a quick follow-up. Is it a bad sign if you're a candidate that didn't get one? Um, you know, just again, looking at some of the poll averages today, it looked like that, that Rand Paul maybe really didn't get one from his announcement. Yeah, I, I would say that that merely confirms what most people have thought about Rand Paul, and that is he is a candidate who has a base among libertarian types of voters, but moving beyond that base will be very, very difficult for him. And also remember, it, someone like Jeb Bush might not receive as large of a bounce simply because he has a higher name recognition. A lot of the initial bounce is because you were someone who wasn't so well-known, and then all of a sudden your name's being mentioned in the media a lot, and Republican voters say, oh my God, here's someone we could potentially vote for. And then, of course, in comes this squad that says, no, wait a minute, there's a reason why he didn't have much support before. It was because X, Y, and Z issues, he doesn't match up with the Republican base. So if you don't get a bounce, it's either because A, you're really, really bad, or B, you're really well-known. And for Rand Paul, that was probably more of A, you probably have a limited base within the Republican Party. So, Harry, who are your sleeper possibilities, you know, that are, are the, the, the candidates that are way down, mired in the single digits, uh, that, could, that could possibly emerge, like Carly, Fiorina, Bobby Jindal, Lindsey Graham, any, any of those or anybody else that, that's out there that could actually, that you're impressed with? I would say that there are a few. Um, in terms of winning the nomination, there's really only one at this point, and that would be John Kasich, who's the governor of Ohio. Um, he looks like he's going to get into the race, although Kasich is an interesting personality who may very well decide at the last minute to say, nah, never mind. But here's someone who is a governor of a purple state, Ohio. You've got to win Ohio in presidential elections. 
someone who has served as a House member as well, has served in Washington, so he has a good resume, and he really can connect with the establishment. And that, of course, isn't the be-all, end-all, but if, let's say, Jeb Bush takes a stumble and says something on a rock again that just doesn't quite mesh and sounds kind of weird, uh, Kasich is the type of candidate who could take um, advantage of a misstep by Bush and could easily step in and would appeal to enough of the Republican Party that he could win. Um, other candidates who could, you know, surprise but probably won't be able to win, I think Carly Fiorina's won. Um, she's certainly gotten some good reviews for her retail politicking. And with Hillary Clinton likely to be the Democratic nominee, there's going to be some room among some Republican voters going to say, oh, here's a woman candidate who's a conservative. We should choose her. And Bobby Jindal, I mean, you know, Bobby Jindal is a very smart guy. Um, he's a very young guy and has managed to serve two terms as Louisiana's governor. But he, at this point, just doesn't seem like he's going to have enough. His, he's very much going after the hard religious right. And he doesn't seem to have enough appeal across the party to be able to go all the way, but certainly enough that he could make hay in Iowa, where, you know, evangelical um, voters play a very major part in that caucus. Harry Enton is a senior political writer and analyst for 538.com, I guess I should add. Uh, Thanks very much for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. You're listening to The Ticket from KUT News and the Texas Tribune. I'm Ben Philpot. And as you can probably hear, I'm not in the KUT studios. I'm in the airport in Charlotte, North Carolina, waiting for the second leg of my trip from Des Moines, Iowa to Columbia, South Carolina, as I'm following Rick Perry. Now, as regular listeners, you know this is the part of the show we call The Straight Ticket. By the way, I just realized that if your state doesn't have straight party voting, then this title might be lost on you. But anyway, this week on Straight Ticket, uh, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about the rally I attended the other day in Boone, Iowa. It was called the Roast and Ride. It was a motorcycle ride from Des Moines to Boone. That's about 45 minutes. It was hosted by Iowa's newest U.S. Senator, Republican Joni Ernst, and it had seven GOP presidential candidates giving short speeches. So here's my quick rank of those speeches. Best, Carly Fiorina. It was focused, gave specifics, got lots of applause from the crowd. Worst, Lindsey Graham. His speech was uninteresting. He seemed to be making it up as he went along. The crowd wasn't into it, so no points there. In the middle, well, the other speeches were fine. Nothing bad, nothing great. I'd put Ben Carson's speech closer to Lindsey Graham at the bottom than Fiorina at the top, and Marco Rubio seemed to do pretty well, so maybe closer to Fiorina. Beyond that, the rest were kind of lumped in the middle. Iowans love Mike Huckabee, but he doesn't give much in the way of specifics when he lays out his grand plans for the country, like eliminating the IRS and creating jobs. Rick Perry's speech was fine, but his eight minutes were disconnected and punctuated throughout with lines about American greatness and reminders that he's got the backing of several famous military vets. And then there's the current Iowa frontrunner, Scott Walker. His speech again was fine. Nothing amazing, nothing horrible. I guess you'd say he didn't do anything to hurt his frontrunner status, but he didn't do anything to cement it either. It's still very early in Iowa. Caucus goers there are notorious for not making up their minds until they've talked with each candidate. Even the ones I talked to, wearing a sticker, hat, or shirt with a candidate's name on it, told me they were still thinking about who to vote for. Oh, they got-
And that's it this week for The Ticket. Remember, we're on iTunes, so search The Ticket 2016. Subscribe and give us a review. Also, give us a call and ask us a question. We may use your question on a future episode. Our number, 512-943-2016. Make sure you tell us your name when you call. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Ticket 2016. The Ticket is a co-production of KUT News and the Texas Tribune. The show was mixed by me and edited by Matt Largy. Our theme music is by Ben Root. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.